Welcome to the Church of the Redeemers Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will enjoy this week's service, and we hope that you will follow us at www.cotrb.org, and may God continue to bless you. Once again, depending on you, needing you in every area of our lives, needing you to remind us, God, that you are with us, needing you, God, to reaffirm your presence in our lives. We love you not just on today, but each and every day. We thank you for all the trials and the tribulations of life. But we thank you for providing us a relief in your son through his shed blood. So God, today is the preach word, and I pray, God, that you would just allow me to share what you've given me to share, that the people may be glorified and you be edified in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want to take it for granted that we are extremely blessed. I thank God for the praise and worship, especially from our minister of music, all that she and Raheem, all that they do. Uh, Some places are just quiet, but we are really blessed. You know, we're in a digital age now, and this may be where we might be for a while. But there are going to be always some things that we're going to remember and miss. It's probably real difficult for a lot of preachers to stand and look at empty pews. Some of them are used to the call and respond. Can somebody say amen? And now I've had to understand for myself that I have to allow the Lord to lead me to preach to the dry bones. You know, I'm I'm reminded that I was, I was, I was, I, I did a Zoom for a church and when I got through, the preacher said to me, it was a tape one, he said, boy, you preaching like the church was full. He said, you thought it was packed up in here. And I say, well, the Lord, when the Lord gives you something to speak, it don't matter who's in the seat. It boils down to where it's going to fall. And I'm just so grateful for that. So with that, turn with me. We just read Luke, the second chapter. I'm going back to Luke, the second chapter. But I'm going to jump down to verses 25 through 35. Look at Jesus, huh? (laughs) Luke, the second chapter, you heard our scripture reading this morning, gave you a basis of why we are here and why we are excited. Now I want to jump down to the 25th verse. If you have it, if you can rest on your feet, if you're able. 
It reads, it says, and now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the constellation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and raising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul to the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Think with me this morning, something good is worth waiting for. Something good is worth waiting for. No one like delays and nothing diminishes the pain we feel as the days pass and we continue to struggle with our hopes and our fears. Whether it's the hour that throws off our plans, the days and the week that cause uncertainty, or the years we spend wondering if God will ever fulfill his promises to us. It's human to feel frustrated. It's human to feel anxious and as if our hopes are dying within us. Why? Because we like control over our circumstances. Someone else seems to be impeding our progress, deciding how the limited movements we have in life will be spent, and preventing us from enjoying the one thing that will truly make us happy. I don't know what it is you're hoping for, but waiting on God is one of the most difficult lessons that we have to learn. As we go through our season of waiting, we must always remember that the Lord isn't neglecting us and hasn't forgotten about us. He's working in the unseen on our behalf. Our responsibility is to set our hearts on him and trust that our life is safe in his powerful and loving hands. As we anticipate the Father's instructions and intervention, we must continue to serve him while carrying out our daily responsibilities. 
We must keep seeking, keep obeying, and keep having an intimate fellowship with him even when circumstances don't seem to be going our way. See, everything ain't going to always work out to your good. It works out to God's good because all things work together for his good, them that love him, them that are called according to the faith. See, we are facing a delay in some area or another. In every nation, there are people just like me and you waiting for similar blessings and experiences to the same feelings, and they're experiencing the same feelings. In fact, throughout Scripture, there's not a man nor a woman who God used in a powerful way who did not, first, who did not face first a long and difficult time of waiting. Sometimes we just have to wait. Because God's time is not our time. We just have to wait. If you went to get a loan from the bank, they would tell you, well, you got to wait. How long did you have to wait for the woman that you decided to marry or the man that you decided to marry? How long did you have to wait to have children in your life? How long did you have to wait for that promotion on your job? How long did you have to wait for healing to take place in your life? How long did you have to wait for forgiveness to take place? And then if the truth be told, how long did God have to wait for you to get your act together? Some things are worth waiting for. An old saying promises that good things, what, come to those that wait. Good things. See, the Christmas season, despite what you find at the malls and the shopping centers, has not yet come. Christmas ain't here yet. That's why we still, some of us, as soon as we leave church today, we're going to find our ways to the mall to get what we think we need to get. See, we are waiting for Christmas. We do a lot of waiting this time of the year. Once you pay for what you get, you, you got to wait at the checkout lines. You, if you get to the mall, you got to wait to find a parking space. If you're trying to get it wrapped or you take it home, you got to wait to get the thing wrapped. And Lord knows if you're doing it online, you got to wait to either UPS, FedEx, or whoever brings it. You got to wait for the post office to bring it to you. See, waiting is necessary. Our children are waiting for Santa to bring them their gifts. On the other hand, we have become accustomed to not waiting. Sometimes we become impatient. We certainly hate to wait for anything, don't we? Waiting caused so much discomfort, and we want to get right to the stuff that makes us feel good. You ever went to a restaurant and you're hungry? They tell you this is a 20-minute wait. 20 minutes go by, you still haven't gotten a seat yet. But you're afraid to leave because you're hungry. Waiting. I guess that is understandable why it's difficult, so difficult to wait through the Advent season 
we, when we consider the type of world that we live in, get it any way we want it, world. Any way we want it. See, Advent and Christmas are two separate seasons. See, Christmas is not something we can just jump into without being ready. Waiting in Advent is a time of preparation. We can't be fully ready for Christmas unless we are prepared to accept Jesus Christ and adopt the lifestyle which he has called us into. See, Advent is the time to, to get our lives in line so that we will be ready when Jesus finally does get here. That's the whole purpose. This is our last official time of Advent. If the baby was, hadn't been born, that's what we're looking for. And at the beginning of our text, there was a history that was told about Mary and Joseph and why we are in the position that we're in. See, when you think about it, Christmas ought to be better Christians ought to be better at waiting and preparing than anybody else. We should be better. We should, we should have already had enough practice. Think back, think back throughout history. God called Abram and told him to go into a far land where his descendants would number as the stars in the heavens, and it didn't happen in a year or even a decade. That means he had to wait. But God was preparing Abraham through his waiting. See, something good is worth waiting for. The children of Israel waited in slavery in Egypt for 400 years as God prepared them for the time when they would renew their covenant made with Abraham. When Moses led the people out from Egypt, they anxiously waited for the homecoming to the promised land. Then God kept them waiting another 40 years, preparing them for a life as they acknowledge him as their savior. See, waiting is necessary, and Christians, we should be prepared. We should be familiar with that because God has his own time. David was promised the throne of Israel, but he too had to wait to be prepared as a leader who could guide the people into the greatness. The prophet who, who came later sought to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Through it all, they waited for the coming of the Messiah, the one who would truly set the nation free, the one who would be their salvation. For 2,000 years now, we have waited for Jesus to return to set up his kingdom. See, we wait for the coming of the day when the Lord will reign in the new heaven and the new earth. Something good is worth waiting for. And as Christians, we should already be in tune to that. That's why I say he don't come when you want it, but he's always what? He's always on time. Because if he came when you want him, you'd be calling him every five seconds, wouldn't you? 
You be using him like when you cut on the lights, he'll be a light switch. Just come on. Here we have Mary and Joseph who brought the baby Jesus to the temple to present him to the Lord. This was their custom. After 40 days, they had to bring this child. And according to the Levitical law in chapter 12, this was part of the purification ceremony for the mother, which had to be done because a woman was marked as unclean at that time. They also had to redeem the boy since he was Mary's firstborn, and that's found in Exodus, the 13th chapter. They had to pay five shekels to redeem, think about it, the Redeemer, who would one day redeem us with his precious blood. Here we see the story of a man named Simon who was eagerly awaiting. He was waiting for the greatest gift ever to be given to man. We assume that he's an old gentleman at this time, but the text doesn't say. But what we do know, he's been waiting for a long time. So today I want to focus in on three points. The first one is going to be revelation. See, in our text, we, we are told that Simon was waiting for the constellation of Israel. Now, what in the world does that mean? I'm glad you asked. See, it's important for us to know that during this time, there was a great expectation that a world leader was to be born in the land of Israel. See, in other words, people were eagerly waiting the birth of a Savior. They were waiting the birth of one who would bring freedom to the people of Israel. This was the messianic hope, the great constellation. They were looking for, to the one who would bring joy and hope to their lives. And Simon was looking for the same thing himself. See, the word waiting in our text implies Simon was waiting with expectations that a Savior was going to be born. He wasn't just hoping for it. He was, an expected, he was expecting to see it. Now, how did Simon know a worldwide Savior was going to be born? It's just right there in our text, verse 26. And this is where revelation comes in. It had been what? Revealed to him. By who? The Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord. That's why revelation is important. God had given Simon a promise, and Simon trusted that God would be true to his word. And as Simon was thus waiting, he was moved by the Holy Spirit to go into the temple courts at the time when Joseph and Mary were bringing Jesus to offer up the necessary sacrifices unto the law of the birth of the firstborn male child. And when Simon saw the baby, he knew that God's promise had been kept. 
here we are. Simon sees this baby. Here is Emmanuel, God with us, to make everything right, to bring comfort to those subjected to years of rejection, fear, and loneliness. Isaiah says in his text that they what that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of an eagle. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is the only thing that can reveal Jesus to us. The indwelling of the Spirit. Remember when, when Jesus asked the disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And they all start rambling, and Peter said, thou art the what? The Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus spoke to him. He said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but that came by my Father who's in heaven. And here in this text, the Holy Spirit reveals to Simon. Revelation. The next thing I see in the text, we already sung about it today. And that's the word redemption. See, religion cannot save us. I'm going to say that again. Religion cannot save you. You can go to church all you want to, but religion cannot save you. God has given to us what we could not get for ourselves and we do not even deserve. Therefore, redemption is an act of God's grace by which he rescues and restores his people. Thank God for rescuing me. Thank God for restoring me. Thank God for forgiving me. Thank God for coming to die for my sins. Thank God for the redemption. See, when the parents brought in the child, Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simon took the baby in his arms and praised God, said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss, dismiss your servant in peace. Simon says, for my eyes, he sings this hymn, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. He said, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people in Israel. See, to Simon, this baby is not just another child. One among thousands. To him, Simon says, he's the one. He's the one for whom I have been waiting for. He's the chosen one of God. He is the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ child. He is the hope of the nation. He is the salvation of the world. See, most Jews in Simon's day, they were expecting a Savior, but not a Savior for all people. They were expecting a Savior for the Jewish people, a Savior who would raise to power and bring an end to their oppression against the Roman Empire and restore Israel to her former glory. But God has sent 
a savior to meet man's greatest need. And that's why when I think about redemption, he has revealed God to the nation. He came to teach the truth. Jesus, the baby, he came to fulfill the law. Jesus, the baby, he came to establish his kingdom. He came to show us how to live. He came to reveal God's love. He came to bring peace. He came to heal the sick. He came to minister to the needy. God said of Jesus, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the end of the world. See, God gives us not only revelation, he gives us not only redemption, but lastly in the text, he gives us rest. Rest is anchored in salvation through Jesus Christ. God did not rest because he was tired. God rested because he was satisfied. The long wait for Simon is over. The years of anticipation have been fulfilled. He could finally be at peace, and he could finally rest. I'm reminded of my grandmama. She would always come home from work, and she said, boy, I am tired. I got to take a load off my feet. She said, I done work all day long, and I still am not through yet. I just got to sit down here for a moment. I'm, I'm, y'all going to eat, boys. That's what you tell me and my brother. Y'all going to get something to eat, but grandmama got to rest for a moment. And this is how God does with us. God did not stop creating the world because he was tired. He was trying to show us that our Sabbath is also important to refill us and to strengthen us. And here in our text, we see Simon. He says, I've been waiting for this child. I've been looking for this child. Now I finally see this child. God kept his word, and he says, now I am ready to leave. Because you have been faithful to your promise. In other words, he was telling God, thank you for the rest. The word dismissed in this text was a military word that meant to be relieved of his duties. Sometimes as believers, we want to be relieved of some things, don't we? Some of us have been praying and preaching and teaching for a long time and we feel like we want to be relieved. But when God tells you it's time for you to relieve, that's okay. Not when you tell it. Because when you tell it, you listen to some other kind of voice. God is not through with any of us yet. See, the eye is not satisfied with seeing till it has seen Christ. And then it is. We must not depart then till God gives us our discharge. For we are his servants, and we must not quit his service till we have accomplished our time. God already knows where you are. He's, that's why he says, come unto me, they that are weary and burdened. He says, he will give you rest. See, sometimes we want to give our own self rest. 
But God says, I will give you rest. For God fulfills all his words, keeps all his promises, and he never disappoints those who trust in him. See, Christmas brings revelation because Jesus is the light of the world. Christmas brings redemption because Jesus is the Savior of all people. Christmas brings rest because once you've embraced Jesus as your Savior, you don't have to worry or work your way into heaven. See, then Simon stopped praising, and then he started prophesying. In his message, he used three images. In the last verse, thir verse 35, look at what Simon says in the text. He says, so that he thought, verse 33, he says, 34, then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause, the first word he uses, falling and raising up men in Israel to be a sign and that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul. So here are the three words that Simon used. First, he's talking about the stone. Then he's talking about the sign. And then he's also talking about the sword. See, the Messiah would be a rejected cornerstone and the nation of Israel would stumble over him. See, because of Jesus Christ, many in Israel would fall in conviction and then rise in salvation. In other words, Christ raises up those who believe in him, but he is a stumbling block for those who disbelieve. And we have to remember the stone even today, God's people stumble over the cross. So Simon was trying to get us to see not only is he the stone, but he's also the sign. The word sign means a miracle, not so much as a demonstration of power, but as a revelation of divine truth. Jesus is the sign. He is God's miracle, and yet instead of admiring him, the people attacked him and spoke against him. The image of the sword that Simon says was for Mary alone, and it is spoken of suffering and sorrow, so she would bear as the mother of the Messiah. See, when it seems like all hope is lost, we have to look to Jesus. We have to discover that he gives us revelation. He gives us our redemption, but he also gives us our rest. Now, I'm going to rest now because I'm done, but I got to tell you a story. There was a speedboat driver who had survived a racing accident. He said he was at near top speed when his boat veered slightly and hit a wave at a dangerous angle. The combined force of his speed and the size and angle of the wave sent the boat spinning crazily into the air. He was thrown from the seat, from the seat 
and propelled deeply into the water. So deep, in fact, that he had no idea which direction the surface was. He was very tempted to panic and start swimming for the surface immediately. But the problem was that he didn't know which way the surface was. So what was the best thing for him to do? It was to wait and trust, to wait and trust, to wait and trust, to trust that the life vest he was wearing would begin pulling him upward towards the surface. And once he began to float upwards, he could finally swim to the surface. See, sometimes we find ourselves surrounded by confusion. We can find ourselves so deeply immersed in problems that we have no idea where which way is up. And when this happened, the best thing we can do is be still and trust God's gentle tug to pull us up in the right direction. We have to realize that there are some things worth waiting for. But the key is recognizing our dependency upon God and trusting in him. Some things good is just worth waiting for, for Simon to eventually see the gift he had to be willing to wait. What are you willing to wait for this morning? What are you willing and hoping for God to do? See, faithfulness puts us in a position where we can be chosen and used by God. I'm reminded that an unopened gift is a worthless gift until you receive the Christ of Christmas. God's greatest gift will have no value. Some things I say to you are just worth waiting for. As I look at this text, Simon waited for years. Following Simon, there was a prophetess that also had to wait. Anna was 80-something years old, and she too was waiting to see the Savior. I ask you again, what are you waiting for? Don't worry about the gift that's wrapped under the tree. Look at the unwrapped gift in your heart. Jesus has come and he's given us life more abundantly. So we thank God for the gift. We thank God for the Mary that's in Christmas because had he not died for us on Calvary, where would we be? Some things are just worth waiting for. Say to yourself, it's worth the wait. I don't care what trials and tribulations that I have to encounter. God is the greatest gift. And thank God for the gift. The doors of the church are open. Stand on your feet. Thank you, God. As we prepare, God, for some of us looking forward to this special season of Christmas, we don't want to take it lightly, but we want to make sure that they have the ultimate gift. And that's the gift of your son, the baby that the world has been waiting for for centuries. If they don't know Jesus Christ in the pardon of their sin, right now this is your time. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. Salvation is yours. Is there one? 
as they sing. Holy is your name, faithful, always the same. Your love never fails. You are the king of the world.